Welcome to the Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan. Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills Resort, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austin's Golf. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak. And good morning, this is Jeff Kolpak. This is the Golf Show. Coming to you from KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios here in South Fargo. This is 740 The Fan. 107.3 107.3 FM, 740thefan.com is your website. Got a little royalty in studio this morning, and uh, couldn't be happier to have Lyle Hornbacher. He is uh, one of the big names in local golf, a member of the North Dakota Golf Association Hall of Fame. I think a two-time North Dakota amateur champion, maybe more Lyle. I, I, it is two. It is two. A teacher and a high school coach. Uh, I feel I should call you Sir Lyle Harnbacher. <laughs> good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I don't know where to start, Lyle. Um, how about Oxbow? You got you were on the ground floor of Oxbow, and so many people in this area just uh, know it as a course way down South Fargo. Really don't know the birth of the course in the country club. Maybe take us back to when things really got going. And I, frankly, really don't know the whole story myself. At the time that the golf course was at a dream, kind of, there were four friends of mine, Doug Schnell, Bill yeah. Swanson. Oh, yeah, Swanee. And uh, one of the Herbst boys, Dick Herbst. And actually, uh, a little later on, but in a key point, was uh, uh, John McCormick. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just decided they bought that land. <clears throat> I think um, it was uh, Doug that bought the land. You know, he's a real estate business. And Swanee always wanted to build a golf course. And so that's the way it got going. <laughs> and actually, uh, they brought in uh, uh, architects, uh, mm-hmm. brought in uh, various shapers and then everybody that you had to have. And, uh, the golf course actually opened in se- 1975. And I'm going to stop you there. Did people think you were crazy at that point, thinking, why would you build a course? And keep in mind, Fargo, Fargo South, was, it wasn't much more south than that in, in the high school. <laughs> That's true. And they're thinking, why are you going way down there? Well, I think it was a question of availability of land and uh they everybody knew that Fargo was going to move south. They couldn't move north. They, that that just wasn't. And it still feasible. can't, right? Yeah, and it still can't. So, so it it was you know far fetched. It sounds like a long ways. It was twenty miles really from you know the edge of the town to, out mm-hmm. there. I lived there for thirty five years uh, when I moved to Oxbow. Uh, there were only uh, uh, four brick condos yep. and my house and the next door house and they were both spec houses and that was 1978 mm-hmm. 
And uh, like I said, the course opened in 75, but we had the big flood that year. So it washed out a lot of the stuff that they'd planted. And they had a kind of a partial opening on the 30th of September, I think it was. Yep. And uh, that was the beginning of the opening. And then uh, the next year, we had a very bad drought. And so you go flood to drought. <laughs> yeah. And are you thinking this, I don't know if this is meant to be. Yeah, right. But anyway, uh, everybody kept working at it, and uh, it turned out to be, uh, for me, a very favorite golf course. Mm-hmm. It, it's not there anymore, however, yep. but uh, uh, like I said, I lived there for 35 years and played a lot of golf there and had a lot of good friends and a good times there. Lyle Hornbacher is the guest on the golf show. This is Jeff Kopak presented to you from Michel- by Michelob Ultra. The course went through some early tough times, like you said, but when did you think it was like, okay, I think we're going to make it here? You have flood, you have drought, and then when did things really, you think, get going? Well, uh, as I lived there right from the beginning almost, you could almost tell by how many new homes went up okay. every year. And it started off like maybe four or five. After about two or three years, it was 12 or 14, and everybody said, hey, this is not a bad place to live, and mm-hmm. this is, you know, a, a short commute into town. And so I, I think nobody doubted at that point, that it wouldn't succeed. Did you have to sell people on the commute? You said short. I remember as a kid thinking this is pretty long. But then, you know, when you're a kid, things just <laughs> sort of, uh, the, the scale just is a little different than it is now. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, no, it, it, it was uh, not a very long time. Yep. The course underwent a, a major renovation in the last several years. Your thoughts on that now? Well, uh, they made it into a current championship golf course, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it really tough for a, a, a ordinary, everyday golf player. I yeah. think that, you know, if you're a 10 handicap or less, you, there's a nice challenge for you. But uh, it, it's, uh, it is a difficult golf course. I've, I've only played it one time since it was completed, and... Uh, I, you know, I enjoy playing golf, so I guess I could play anywhere and and have a good time. But and you're and you're still it good. It, it, yeah. It's a championship golf course. It's seventy six hundred yards from the tips, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of water. And you could still play the game. I had Russ Nelson on the show earlier this year, and he said you two are down in Arizona, and you you two go back a long ways with with duels in the North Dakota State Am back in the seventies when Russ was a college student. Yeah. He said you wiped him clean. <laughs> you shot, you're, you're 87, right? Yep. And what did you shoot? I shot 80. I 80. <laughs> but but let me stop you okay. there. Okay, all right. Uh, the week before, it went the other way. All right, a he lot, didn't say that. It went a lot like when we played. Uh, in 78, uh, he whipped me. In 79, I got revenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we had a good time. He's a good friend. He, he, he started off. I was a golf coach at South when he started mm-hmm. uh, there, and he was like a sophomore that first year. And so he played golf three years for me. And so, yeah, we're, we're still friends. I dug up a, a couple of clippings. I went into the forum archives 
uh, before that you came into the studio written, here. Written by your father. Yeah, my father wrote plenty of articles, <laughs> that's for sure. He he wrote plenty of articles on you. But one, Lyle, this is from 1959. Lyle Hornbacher ties Edgewood record with 32 on the back nine. So you held the record on the back nine in Edgewood, and I didn't realize that's how you got your start was uh, you were a water boy, correct? Uh, you watered the lawn. I, I watered it at night, but... Uh, I, that's not where I got my start. I, okay. I grew up in Grand Forks. I started playing there when I was 14. And uh, I was obviously very bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I went out for the high school golf team, and I, I shot a big number. It would have looked good for 18 holes, not so good for nine. Huh. But uh, I played there high school golf for three years, Uh at Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. uh, I was a Muni player. Yep. And uh, then when I got out of the service, uh, I came back here, and my folks had moved down to Moorhead. So I came back here and uh, was looking for a job, and I was going to go to school, so I wanted something to do in the summer. And I was fortunate to get to go to work for the Fargo Pork Board, and... I was uh, night water. I went to work at about midnight and watered all night. But no those kidding. times, uh, the, we had plug-in sprinklers. You yeah. had to go out and manually do ma- it. Manually do them. Uh, we had a big old ex-army pump that we were using to get the water going, and so I did that all five summers from before that. I went to Moorhead State. And sometimes I'd be a starter on a Sunday if they needed one. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time playing golf at, at Edgewood. And uh, the, if I shot 32 on the back nine... Uh, and it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure... People shoot that I'm, in their sleep now. <laughs> yeah. It, it certainly didn't wasn't a record that probably stand very long. <laughs> Before we take a break, I want to back up a second because I think it's a fascinating topic on night water. So you're there all night. Yeah. And you, you, you sit there all night, 2, 3, 4 in the morning, and you change the spots of the sprinklers. Yeah. About every 45 minutes, uh, we'd go out and... Uh, and there was two of us. I, I had the job first with an older guy, and then I recruited, when he left or something, I recruited one of my fellow golfers from Moorhead State, mm-hmm. a guy named Guy Vardy. And so I'd do nine holes, and he did nine holes. We had Jeeps. We'd drive around, run in while the sprinklers were going because they're all going to turn yeah. them off, throw them in the truck drive to the next spot, put it down, and so we would water about 45 minutes all the time. How do you stay awake the following day? So you get home 5, 6 in the morning, and, and got, you just make it work? Home, got home about 8. At I, 8 a.m., okay. I'd, yeah, I'd get up for lunch and then go play golf. <laughs> when you Pretty just, simple. <laughs> well, who needs sleep, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, uh, that's just uh, people don't understand really how – uh, golf has changed over the years and certainly in, in the in the maintenance of courses. We're going to take a break with Lyle Hornbacher. When we come back, more of our conversation with Lyle. We've got so much to cover. Do not go away. Backspin. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hit down on the crew. Welcome back. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show. is presented by Michelob Alter at the KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios on 740 The Fan. 
and 107.3 FM. Lyle Hornbacher is the guest in studio. Phil Mickelson, Lyle, <laughs> you're doing it at age 87. He's doing it at age 50, almost 51. What are your thoughts on what he did over the weekend? Uh, it was It's amazing. I, I watched every minute of the last day and almost all of the Saturday play. And like everybody else that was out there, of course, mm-hmm. I was rooting for him because yep. we got to take care of us old guys. <laughs> yeah, you know? That's right. But, you know, when you stop and just the perspective, it, it hadn't happened in 161 years. I yeah. mean, what, what kind of records can you even compare that with? I, I, I just can't imagine. And, and he, he did it with class, and uh, he... He actually has changed a lot of things about himself and his physique. Mm-hmm. Yes, his ability to stay in shape, right? Yeah, stay in shape, and now they say that uh, he's uh, meditating, and uh, he just, you know, he's he's done what he felt he had to do, and I got it worked. <laughs> How have you been able to maintain your game over the years? Well, I, I really haven't. <laughs> Do you meditate? <laughs> no, because, I, you know, the problem with growing old in the golf game is that every year you get a little shorter off the tee, a little shorter, you're using longer clubs and more difficult. And uh, I used to tell people when I was young and I was long, I still wasn't long. I was still short then. People were hitting it by me all the time. I just found a way to scrape it around and maybe beat them around the greens or something. But uh, I, I've been fortunate that things that I did allowed me to keep playing all the time. Uh, when I was, I taught school for 15 years, and so I had to find something to do, but it still gave me an opportunity to play a lot. And then I went to work for Bill Swanson. I did that for 22 years. And if he is golfing, I was golfing too, you know. <laughs> He's a good what, golfer too. Wasn't every day, but, uh, you know, I, I I was fortunate to do that. And now I'm retired and I can play all I want. And I've been going to Arizona for oh, probably 20 years now, I think 22 years maybe. Right. Sometimes maybe for a month or two months. Uh, this month it was, this year it was five and a half months and, we're planning on going back in November. Golf keep you young? I think so. Uh, we have some friends uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was maybe the day you were talking to Russ. Yeah. Uh, I played in a group with a 91 and another 91 and another 91 and me. <laughs> That's 360 years in a foursome. I don't know if there was an older foursome alive and playing that day, but it would surprise me uh, because it's rare. Yeah. And uh, for all the 91s, we've all agreed it would be better to play bad than not play at all. That's right. That's right. Get out of the damn chair, go out, get some exercise, fresh air, be with friends. It, it keeps you going, you know. You play, what, five times a week? No, no. Three, four? No, no my, my body won't let me do that. Okay. But, but I, I play three usually and sometimes four. Uh-huh. Uh, you know my daughter, Leanne? Oh, yeah. You went to high school with her. Yeah, she's a year or two around me somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, is your brother older? Yeah. He graduated? I think it's 
he's she's Dave's age, correct? Yeah, he, she graduated in '78. Yep, that's my brother Dave's age. Yep. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, she plays and plays very well. She's in the well, golf Hall of Fame in North Dakota too. We're the only father-daughter combination, as to, to my understanding. And so I play with her right now. She plays with all of us old guys on Mondays. And sometimes her and her husband play me and a friend of mine on Fridays. So uh, that that's a fun part of it. And so the group that I play with, the guys that you're talking about, mm-hmm. we play three times a week. So right. if I throw in an extra one, it's usually with Leanne because I love playing with her. Did you coach her? When she was growing up? She was a freshman uh, the the year that I, the last year that I coached the girls. And so, and she was actually not there to play golf. She just liked the girls and it was a social outing for her. Of course. Things changed along the way, however, and she got just as competitive as I am. And that, it's a lot of fun playing with her. But, Lyle yeah. Hornbacher is the guest. This is the golf show with Jeff Kopak. When... Did you have to resist Lyle when Leanne was coming through the ranks of of overcoaching her or being a father? You know, there's that balance there. Was there a balance for you? Uh, I've always been kind of this way. If someone wanted me to give them some suggestions, I did. Uh, I didn't ever try to get people to do what I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I thought they, they could help. So yep and. Uh, Leanne was, she was not, as she got better, she was a real easy fix. You know, I'd say, Leanne, just do this, do this. She hit a half a dozen balls and she'd say, thanks, Dad, and Dad, and off we go. She was very coachable. Yeah. Still is. Last segment, we're talking about you and working in Edgewood in the middle of the night and being the water guy. You were there when Jack Nicholas was here and faced Jack Rule in 1956 tournament as a JC's tournament. Yes, I was. And tell the listeners what, what what you saw. I mean, we're not we're talking Jack Nicholas here. Yeah, right. We're talking Jack Nicholas, and uh, he's a uh, you know he was a 16 year old kid then, mm-hmm. uh, kind of crew cut and overweight and. Jack was a lot smoother looking than them, and uh, but they both played marvelous golf. And Jack probably should have won that championship. Jack Nicholas. Nicholas should yeah. have won, but uh, Jack Rule chipped in two times, and one of and, and both times, to my knowledge, I didn't see it happen, but I think it's true. He hit a spectator. <laughs> Uh, on both of those holes. It was the sixth hole of the par three. He hit it over the first trap and sh- short was gone in the second trap, they said, but it hit a spectator. Then he holed that for a deuce. And on 14, the par five, he hit it in the left trees. It hit somebody, gave him a shot, hit it down by the green, hold that one for an eagle. <laughs> so, and Legendary. He, he won like... By one shot or two, I don't remember now. Right. I think 69 to 72, maybe. Jack Nicholas was, did he have that celebrity status about him even back then or not? Or was he just this amateur kid? Uh, you know, he qualified for the U.S. Open when he was 13. So when okay. he got, when he came here, uh, yeah, every, everybody knew that he was going to be a rising star. 
There wasn't any count in anybody's mind. And, of course, Jack Rule went on to some titles around here. He's from Waterloo, Iowa. Went on to, I think, a Pint of Palm title or two or three. I can't remember like that. I played him in the Pint of Palm. Uh-huh. The, I think it was the seventh match he had. Would be the second year. He qualified with a record-setting 64 uh, the first year he came, and he never qualified again because he won it, he won it, he won it, and then he lost it. So mm-hmm. he only qualified that one time. And I you know, I got to know him very well. Matter of fact, he got me on Cherry Creek a couple of times when he's a stockbroker down there. I don't know if she's yeah, he, he, he went on to be very successful in that business. Yes. How did you do in the Pine to Palm? I, I haven't, I didn't see your name on the on the winners list, and maybe as a, a tournament that eluded you over the years. Oh yes, it, by all means. Uh, no, the the furthest I ever got was the quarterfinals, and it was the year that uh, John, kid from Rosso, what was his name? Dad, uh, dad was a doctor. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's the year he won it, and the kid that beat me was on the Minnesota golf team with him, mm-hmm. and then he went on and Jack beat him in the finals. But that's the furthest I got. But uh, I qualified. The first year I played, I didn't qualify, and I qualified all the rest of the years I played. I, I played I don't know how many times, uh, mm-hmm. probably 10 or 12. Right. Do you have time to hang around? Oh, sure. Thanks. Lyle Hornbacher is our guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the golf show on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. We're going to take a break. More with Lyle. We could talk all day, but we better keep it within the hour. Stay with us. I saw you slam your club in anger and took the grass off its edge. I saw you look at me and wonder if I noticed and I Oh, no, you didn't. Welcome back. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Ultra on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Always brought to you from the KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. Lyle Hornbacher is the guest, North Dakota Hall of Fame member. I didn't didn't know you and your daughter were the only father-daughter members of the North Dakota Golf Hall of Fame. That's that's pretty good stuff. Probably very little trivia news is about it is. Uh, Dave Kingsford passed away recently, and I know he was a pretty big Edgewood fixture, and 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 the name Kingsford obviously is huge around this area. What is your remembrances of the Kingsford family? Well, I go back further than the Edgewood days. I first time I met David, and I just learned yesterday that he passed away. Was we were both playing and the Fergus Falls Junior Golf Tournament in mm-hmm. 1950. Right. I didn't, it was a medal play tournament, so I wasn't playing match against him, but I was paired in a foursome with him. At that time, he was a motorcycle riding. Yeah, he was a racer. Kid. Yeah. Right, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he went on. Matter of fact, if you knew him in the eight years, he, he limped a little, and that was from the racing days. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a leg pretty well beat up. And I I played a lot, lot of golf with him over the years, and of course when he used that Edgewood, and uh, he was always good for a chuckle and a laugh. I actually, and I knew his dad. His dad was a pro at the country. Ralph, club. right? Yeah, he was. He was a pro the year I first year when I won 
1963 was one of his last last years there. I think maybe his last years. Mm-hmm. I think he said to me, well, kid, I didn't think you'd do it, but I guess you did. <laughs> <laughs> the the name Kingsford, I know you played Mike, correct? Unfortunately. Oh, uh, yes. Oh. I, this is one of my good stories. Okay. And he beat me in 19 holes. The next year, I played in the second round in Minot in the state tournament, and I beat him in 20 holes. <laughs> so... I went on to win. That was my my last state championship. And my son played him one time at Oxbow, and he beat him in 19 holes. So one thing we had in common. You home, went the distance. Hornbachers and uh, <laughs> yep. they, they and were the going roots. away. And did, so, did, so. did he beat you <clears throat> when he was like 13? Wasn't he the youngest winner of the All-City? Was that that year? That, that's, yeah, when he was 13. He just yeah. was almost 14, and yeah. There he was. That's right. I don't know if you remember anything about that match because it's hard to remember individual <laughs> matches. But to lose to a kid who's thirteen, I mean, he's what is a junior high? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think I was thirty-one when he was born. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was. Uh, you know, but when you're a golfer, big, little, tall, smart, heavy, skinny, whatever. It's you against them in a match play tournament, and I loved match play. It was what I excelled at the the best. Why is that? Why why did you like match play better? Well, because everything is in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. You, uh, metal play obviously proves that you were the best golfer for four days, but match play proves you were the best golfer today. And uh, I will be honest, I, I, some of the people that I bet were – were much better golfers than I was. I, I always thought that because maybe it was just because I was stubborn and didn't know I was supposed to lose or something. But uh, if you only keep everything in mind, you know, in golf they say the most important shot is the next one. And isn't that true in almost all sports? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, you're in tennis, it's certainly the next one and the next batter up or whatever. And so... When you're going one-on-one, that's who you're trying to beat, and right. you hit of a bad hole, you just forget about it because it was one hole. When you hit a bad hole in a metal play tournament, you got to live with that hole for four days. Lyle Hornbacher is the guest on the golf show. Lyle, you said earlier in our conversation this hour that a lot of players hit it farther than you, and perhaps a lot of players were more talented, and I'm just throwing that out. But in match play, though, I'm guessing you were pretty mentally tough, and that's what really I, I probably won you a lot of matches. Well, I've always said it did. You know, I, uh, I, I was when I in my playing days when I had to really hit a good shot. It seemed like I pulled it off a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Uh, look at this. I don't know if you can see this, but I, I dug this out of the. Or, uh, the archives. This is you had this mug shot a lot, I think, through the years. A pretty swanky looking, Lyle, with with a chain around the neck and nineteen uh, seventy. The big collar is probably taken in the nineteen seventies. Uh, this story written by Ed Kopak, sports editor, nineteen eighty four. The file on Lyle Hornbacher describes him as a teacher and a golfer, and you can't find a better recommendation for entering the North Dakota Golf Association Hall of Fame. Except one, make that a golfer who enjoys the game to the limit. 
Is that accurate? That, that is accurate. I love your father. <laughs> what were some of the, I'm curious, conversations and stories, and what was your rapport with my father over the years? Well, we had a, a very good relationship. You know, he, I think he was very, very instrumental in the following of golf as an athletic contest versus football, basketball, baseball, all the rest of them. He gave us uh, a spotlight that didn't get happen everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I once told somebody, you know, golfers, uh, they want to be recognized just like any other athlete. I mean, if they win a tournament, uh, there was a time that uh, they wouldn't get any ink until Ed came along. Because looking over the archives, he would go up to Minot and cover the amateur tournament. And this day and age, that just doesn't happen. Hey, it's the newspaper media industry is different. It's digital and it's different. But was there a, a nostalgia, I think, a, a, a golden period, I think, of amateur golf then in the 70s and 80s and maybe in the 90s? Well, yeah. Actually, it grew and grew. Uh, yeah. when, when I started playing golf, like I said, in the late 40s, uh, there, there were a few old guys that played and some wealthy people played, but there weren't a lot of kids that played, you know, and mm-hmm. it just uh, was uh, instant, in, a small, insignificant part of the sports picture mm-hmm. in this country. Uh, now, uh, even with the pandemic, I mean, there are people that never touched the golf club that are out playing golf because they found oh, out there boom. was something they could do. Right, that's a boom. Instead of sitting at home. Best player you ever played against was who? Hmm. Well, I, I suppose I would have to say Jack Rule. Okay, Jack Rule. Yeah. And he was. Do you surprise he never made it in the professional game like some of these other players? Well. This is what he told me. He gave himself five years, and he said, if I'm not one of the best five golfers in the world in five years, I'm going to find something else to do. He okay. won He won the there was a St. Paul Open, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. was probably the only one he had. But, <clears throat> but he was successful. Yep. It just that, you know, in those days, you <clears throat> won a golf tournament, you got five, $6,000. <laughs> yeah. Now, what did Mick go get? This on the other day, uh, two two point one million or something 2. like that. Two point one six, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. The money wasn't there like it is now. Oh no, yeah, no. he could make lots more money. As a- uh, before I let you go, um, favorite memory or moment in golf for you? I know that's tough because <laughs> when you're talking about a, a a several decade run of excellence, I don't know if you can point one, but well, I. I, I don't think I want to give you one, but okay. I was very proud. I won the Grand Forks Junior Tournament in 1949 when I was about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. First win I had, which is really proud. Uh, I won against Russ in 79 in Minot when I was almost 46 years old. At yeah. that time, I was the oldest winner. Podlaw came and he beat that himself every year for a while. But Pody, uh, those, come on, those yeah. two were the two yeah. wins that I guess I really felt good about. Thank you, sir. This was special.
You're welcome. It's that's a pleasure Lyle, to be here. That's awesome. Lyle Hornbacher, North Dakota Golf Hall of Fame member. Get the you shoot eighty and he's eighty seven. I mean, you talk about beating your age, you, you obliterate it, Lyle. That's that's a that's a, an incredible feat, awesome feat. This is Jeff Kopak. We're gonna take a break and we come back more on the golf show from seven forty the fan and one oh seven point three FM. I saw you slam your club in anger and took the grass off its edge. I saw you look at me and wonder if I noticed. Welcome back. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. 740thefan.com is your website. And I was brought to you by KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. Thanks again for Lyle Hornbacher for joining us. Man, he's like a, I was like a kid listening to my grandpa talking about Lyle and his stories. I could replay that. I'm, I'm going to replay that a few times. Just great stuff. You can always hear it back on podcasts on 740thefan.com and inform.com. Both shows are places are podcasted. We shift from Lyle to uh, an old friend of mine who has started a very new venture in, in the uh, golf fundraising business and doing a great job at it. John McLaughlin is the founder of the Sweaty Balls Golf Tournament. John, good morning. How are you? Hi, Jeff. It's, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm doing great. Well, it's uh, it's getting going. We uh, it's what fourth or fifth year you've been doing this? Fifth fifth annual. This is the fifth year. Okay, how did you get it going? Let's let's start from day one. Well, it, it started out as a as a golf tournament for my birthday, and we would get together the last Friday of June. And uh, one year, I decided to to call it the Sweaty Balls Golf Tournament. And from that, a friend of mine said, "Hey, you should do something with this." Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Kind of growing. Why well, it's a takeoff from Saturday Night Live, too, so let's just get that out, too, correct? Well, right, yeah. right. It's one of my favorite skits. <laughs> yep. And so that's kind of how it all started. And, and my wife had suggested, well, uh, why don't you look at testicular cancer? Mm-hmm. So so that's how it all started. We uh, Nobody is really doing anything, with, at least locally, with testicular cancer. I mean, there's several, several cancers that get a lot of uh, publicity and, and have a lot of awareness. Anyway, so that's how it all started, Jeff. And, you know, John, you're like a lot of my college friends. When you take something, you run with it. It's it's not five miles an hour. It's 110, and, and you go with it and run with it. How has the growth been over the years? Well, it once we started it, it you know, people love the name. They love the concept. Uh, we, we just had a, a really good following, mm-hmm. and a lot of people wanted to get involved. And, and so it's not just me. It's, it's uh, a cast of dozens. That, that have helped grow this and, and continue to do so. This year's tournament, Friday, June 25th, 10 a.m. shotgun start, four-person teams, $125 per person. It's a flighted tournament. And for more information or to register, it's Schwetty, it's S-C-H-W-E-T-T-Y, ballscharitygolf.com, or just Google Schwetty Balls Golf, and, and you'll get right there. Uh, last year, we went through COVID, and how did and the tournament survive? How did that go? Well, we obviously we had a very limited tournament, and you know part part of what we do is we uh, go around and, and solicit businesses for help. And with the COVID, we we just we couldn't do that. People were hurting. Mm-hmm. So what we did last year is we had I think we had twelve teams total, and we used the proceeds from from the tournament 
to actually purchase prizes from some of our big sponsors or people that have helped us through the years. So we kind of, we, we didn't make money last year. We, we gave everything back to the tournament, but we kept the tournament going. And you've helped families with testicular, testicular cancer. Uh, is there a favorite story or two that uh, just really touches you? Well, we, we do testicular cancer awareness, but we also, uh, the, the, the beauty of, of Sweaty is we do have money in the bank and every penny that we raise goes back into the community. Uh, we just, we just gave, I think it was two thousand dollars. Well, actually, it was two thousand twenty-one uh, to two different families that are battling cancer. Just back in April, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is a school teacher. Oh, it's just a sad story. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she's actually my neighbor, and she has brain cancer. And uh, anyway, it just when you lose your, when you have cancer, you lose your money, obviously. It, it's just tough and dealing with it. Anyway, we're able to help a little bit with that. Right. And you have fun with it, too. I, I think that's... Uh... Well, absolutely. I, I, our group, I, we're very proud of what we do. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we enjoy the gift of giving. Uh, that, and I, I, I think everybody does. And, and to be able to help and do something is, is a wonderful thing. Have you found awareness really unleashes? I mean, it, it's something that's tough to talk about. Talk about, right? It's it, it's 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 testicular cancer. It's you know. Well, um, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it it's a well anything. You know, breast cancer, testicular cancer. All of these things are are difficult subjects, but they need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at what breast cancer has done, and and if you look at the demographics of cancer. Uh, they're anticipating that that breast cancer is not going to be one of the leading cancers anymore because yep. of the awareness. So it, it it really does help. Anyway, with testicular cancer, it you know it, it affects men. Well, not just men, but mainly men mm-hmm. in their in their prime years and when they're you know they're indestructible. Uh, Nothing's going going to affect them. So we we try to get the word out there that hey, you know, you just need to, you know, know your bodies. Uh, get checked. Change, get checked. Get help. Yeah, exactly. John McLaughlin is a president and, as a website says, master baller of the Schwedy Masterminds. It's the annual Schwedy Balls Golf Tournament for testicular cancer. You uh, you have some interesting names on your <laughs> website. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, well, we have fun with it, Jeff. Yeah. I, it, Again, cancer is is such a, a dark subject. It, it, it's 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 negative. So we try to uh, we try to have fun. We try to use humor to get our word out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, you're playing at Meadows. Uh, I think you've taken the tournament around, and um, and it's a local tournament. But uh, uh, you know, 10 a.m. Uh, no, uh, check in at 8:30. 10 a.m. Shotgun. So you know, drive in for wherever. Get a team. I think it's. It's obviously uh, it's it's one I partake in too. I think it's a, an important subject, and and it's it's important to get the word out there. And I think awareness is the key, like you mentioned. Uh, are, are you full yet, or wh- wh- where where are you at right now? Uh, right now, I think we have 12, 12 teams available. Okay, and, so getting down and, there. And right, you can register on the website. Uh, you can credit card, e check, or you can mail a hard check to me, and I'll get. I'll get you signed up. Flighted tournament. What does that mean? So anybody has a chance to win? Uh, well, what we're doing is, uh, as, as you know, Jeff, there's, uh, well, you've golfed with me, so you know 
I'm, we're, not, we're probably not going to win when you golf with me. You could use some improvement, so, yes. Yeah, so I know that. <laughs> but I have fun. We all do. Uh, well, it, it, anyway, my when we talk about golf, Jeff, uh, there's my philosophy is this. There's good days and bad days. I prefer good days. There's good golfers and bad golfers. Well, I'm a bad golfer. And there's two types of beer. There's cold beer and warm beer. I like cold beer. So I combine the cold beer with a good day or with golf, my bad golf, and it's a pretty good day. <laughs> I can take all that. I can even take a warm beer. I'm German. Now give me a, a, a <laughs> not warm, but room temperature. Let's put it that way, room temperature. There you go. John, congratulations on getting this event again. Proud of you, man. It's a, it's a, it's a great cause, and you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Thanks. We are also having, after the, oh, uh, sure. the sweaty, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have another event at Bar 9. Okay. And, and what we're doing is it's called Hair We Share. Uh, we have several people that are going to contribute their ponytails or hair. And at the end of the night, well, it starts at 6, and it'll go till well, when we get done. But yep. uh, at the end of it, I'm going to auction off shaving my hair. So... If somebody wants to get back at me, they can they can come and have fun. That's on June 25th. You're shaving your head? Uh, well, not me, but we're going to auction off. Somebody, some lucky person's going to Okay. Do so can we have a photo together afterward? We can. You're like twins. We can. Awesome. Uh, Joseph School of Hair Design, they are contributing uh, stylus to, uh, to help us out with this. And there's going to be a band uh, at the end of it. I think they're going to start at 9 or 9-ish. And mm-hmm. It's called twice as hard. Oh sure, I know. Right after yeah, good friends of mine. So yeah, well, it, it, it'll be a, it's going to be a great day, Jeff. Awesome. Thanks, John. Have a good day. Well, you asked me about the flighted. Oh yeah, the yeah, the flighted. Yeah. To be, yeah, it's going to be uh, top golfers, medium golfers, and then golfers like me on the bottom. <laughs> uh, Meadows, Jay, <laughs> Jay Hogg is actually going to do the flighting. Okay. And how he's going to do that is off of a random nine holes. Mm-hmm. You're going to use use the everybody's same nine holes and that's how he's going to flight them okay and there will be prizes for each flight so, so everybody has a shot yeah well i don't want you shooting 54 41 all right <laughs> okay so. awesome thanks no, john no all right we gotta okay, run thank you yep this is yep. the golf show this is jeff kopak this is from krk marine and power sports studios again thanks for loyal lyle hornbach for joining us that was great stuff and for john mclaughlin again the sweaty tournament friday june 25th sweaty balls golf just google it and you'll find and uh, the registration info until next week hit them straight Thanks for listening to The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austed's Golf. Join us next Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. for another edition of The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on The Fan.